Well, hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. This is Ros Jones, your business coach, with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bites, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss, and we share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing with you a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Ros Jones Bold Business Bites podcast show. In this episode, I'm speaking with Mary Beavis of Sunley & Co Accountants. We actually had our conversation in the middle of January, which is a month I wouldn't normally expect to get some time to chat with an accountant about anything other than tax deadlines. But Mary's worked hard to build an amazing team who help her get control of her business and therefore how she gets to spend her time. As she says, if you build the system and if you trust and empower your team, there's nothing to fear. So listen on and find out how Mary moved from spinning all the plates to feeling confident in giving responsibility to the team. Welcome, Mary. Mary Beavis and Graham and Graham Suni and Co. And I'm so grateful for you joining me today, Mary. When I know it's January, it's such a busy time for accountants. So grateful for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. And so, Mary, just tell me, so I had an email from an accountant yesterday who told me there's no way he could meet in January because it was just a terrible time for accountants. How come you were able to meet with me today? It is a tough time. There's no getting away from that. January is always quite fraught. But ultimately, clients have had since April to start getting their tax affairs in order. We have given them every opportunity to do that, and we've been on their case all year. We're two weeks from the filing deadline. You can only hold somebody's hand so far. I have an amazing team um, that look after the clients for me and with me, and we're all on top of exactly what we need to do. So yes, there is still a lot of work to do to meet the 31st of January deadline, but generally we're in control of everything and that is thanks to the team that I work with so fantastic and so tell me a bit more about your team oh um so there is myself and and eight others within the team uh, a huge range of experience and qualifications and they've really been with me a lot of them a very long time um, I think our newest member of staff is 18 months ago, but before that it's four years, 10 years for three of them. So really, really loyal team. They all believe in me and my vision and my values. And I know without hesitation, everybody is aiming for exactly what I'm aiming for, which is to put the client first. It's about service, service, service. I don't ever want a client to walk in this office and feel like they can't be honest, they can't be relaxed, because you can't give the best service to a client. And everybody really, really bought into that and puts the client at the centre of everything that they do. And as a result of that, we have an amazing bunch of clients as well as an amazing team. So they, you know, they make me look good. So that's... Brilliant, and if you don't mind me saying, it's quite amazing because as a business coach working with business owners and their teams, I often find that the team is one of the areas that the business leader uh, struggles with. So how have you managed to get your team on board so firmly 
um, to, to, to meet your vision and values? Well, they haven't always been. We have we have travelled a journey, and it isn't the same team now as it was at the start of that journey, which for me probably started um, about six years ago when I really felt like I needed to really uh, home in on what my vision was, what I wanted to achieve. And so at that point, I made a few changes, and we always had weekly team meetings, but historically they were always led by myself or my um, co-director at the time, So we would sit there and we would say, you are going to do this and you are going to do that. And at that point, I changed everything and I haven't led a team meeting since that time. One member of the team leads that meeting every week. That meeting happens whether we're here or whether I'm here or not. They are responsible for going around the other members of the team and and we're talking about what work is in progress, what issues have come up that week, what they can do to help each other. And also at that weekly meeting, they're meant to bring to that meeting something that they think we need to look at within the practice, whether that's systems, whether that's client service, whether it's the technology that we use. It can even be, I think we're ready for a staff night out, but they are expected to bring something to that meeting which will enhance the team. And that has happened every week without fail since that time in um, six years ago. And that has really then involved the team entirely in any decisions that have ever had to be made in the practice and genuinely do listen to what they say. A lot of what happens today is because the team have brought that to the table. Fabulous. I love that. I know that sometimes when the, the problems, if you like, have been more smoothed out, we can forget about the struggle that we've gone through. But what, in hindsight, would you have done differently earlier on, if you like, that could have maybe smoothed it out sooner? I think definitely giving responsibility to the team. I don't dictate what work needs to be done and when that's all predetermined within our internal systems and the team are responsible for, for moving work between them. Um, whereas initially I was taking all that responsibility on so I was spinning all the plates mm-hmm. and eventually it starts to resemble a Greek wedding so um, you you push that responsibility onto the individuals then I only have to oversee it so I don't have to spin all the plates and that worked really, really well it took a lot of pressure off me and they've embraced that and are so proactive with knowing what work they've got to do and what's to come in and, and everybody discusses that so that made a huge difference in terms how how easy was it for you to give away some of those plates really difficult yes. really difficult i mean i'm a total control freak that's that's why i'm running my own business is because i wanted to be in control but if you build the systems and you trust and you empower people then um you've got nothing to fear yeah well then, I love that. So we say systems run your business, a team and the systems. Absolutely, yeah, without question. Yeah, there's always room for improvement, but yeah, on the whole, that's exactly how we do it. So it sounds like a happy place to be in. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'd all agree. <laughs> and what about the impact on your, on your clients then of these changes? Oh, I think it's massive. The clients know who all the team are, but particularly who... Uh, one or two individuals who regularly deal with them I hardly ever get a telephone call from a client these days I do still get a lot of emails I think that's just the way it is these days Mm -hmm. but hardly ever get 
telephone calls from clients they go to the team first and it only comes through to me if it's of a bit more technical nature generally and so the clients have got that personal connection they've got that trust they always know that somebody is going to be there to pick up the phone and that's one of the service standards that I'm really passionate about and the team understand as well is that a client should never ring up and be told oh so and so's on holiday for the next fortnight you'll have to ring back then it is dealt with that day and that's the beauty of the team meeting is that we we all know a little bit about everybody that we look after so even if we don't know be all and end all of that person that client will get help that day when they ring the office and that has improved client relations immensely fantastic love it and so what would you say is your number one challenge right now in your business Number one challenge right now is um, external influences, really. We're moving towards making tax digital for VAT, and to follow that rule, we'll come make tax digital for income tax and corporation tax. That's a little bit down the road at the moment. And so we're facing technological change. I will put my hand up and go, I am not the most tech-savvy person. I know what I need to know, and I know what I have to do. And we do have predominantly older client base who have been a little bit resistant to technology, to cloud-based applications, etc. And it's trying to find ways of engaging them in that, getting them to understand the benefits um, so that they're happy to move. Because if somebody is willing and happy and sees the benefit, then they will embrace it better and then you get less mistakes. Whereas if somebody's going into it with the attitude, well, I have to do this, then you inevitably get less attention from them when they're doing it and you get more mistakes and it really does benefit them as well as HMRC for them to be you know, adopting technology when they're keeping their records and it will long term help us. The challenge we've got therefore is then time issue because that is a little bit in addition to what we're doing in our normal day to day role and work and tax returns and everything else that we've got to do we've got to find time to do the training to do the education on top of that and we are only a small team so time is a challenge I think time is always a challenge for everybody that I ever speak to no matter what walk of life you're in but then getting to grips with what technology we need to use and then as I say it's an outside influence and HMRC are not always most communicative about exactly yes. what we need to do. Yes. yes. So and that's interesting with the um, the tax dig- uh, going digital project, I guess, um, because I've spoken with some accountants who are afraid that that's going to do them out of the job. What do you think about that? No, I don't believe that. <laughs> I believe it changes slightly the way that we will work in the future. Absolutely, it will. We'll do far less of the the carrier bag, shoebox type jobs. Uh, and in a way, I think that's a shame because that's how I learned. It was a fantastic education, but it will allow us to work with our clients a little bit more proactively, a little bit more real time than we can do now. If somebody who keeps a beautiful set of manual books and records wants us to work out, well, how much profit have I made so far because I want to take an extra dividend or I want to change my van, we've got to get them to bring those manual books in and then work through them. Whereas if they're digital, we can access it straight away. We can give that advice in real time. So it hopefully enhances our service. And the reality is that as much as HMRC tout this as people will make less mistakes, people will make mistakes and people are always going to need an accountant. But fundamentally, underlying all of that, people need people. 
You don't get advice from a piece of software. What we do is interpret what the numbers are telling somebody and use that to problem solve for them. A machine will never, ever, ever do that. And I very much expect we will lose some clients who can do the compliance side of things themselves without us. I accept that. But there are going to be far more people who still need that personal service, getting to know them, getting to know their personal circumstances, their family, their hopes, their dreams. It's only with that information you can make a decision and a computer system or an app on a phone is not going to tell them that. I know when we've spoken before, Mary, you've... I know the thing that drove you to um, to move into your own business was that move away from the sort of faceless corporate world into an environment where you can actually make a real dif- personal mm. difference in the lives of small and medium-sized businesses. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. tell me a bit more about how that works. Okay, so... Yeah, I trained with a bigger practice and I loved my time there. The experiences I got there were fantastic. Um, I worked with so many different people. But I was at a point where I wanted to be hands-on. I wanted to be speaking to the people whose business it really was, not the FD of a bigger company who, at the end of the day, got paid a salary and a bonus. My clients, you know, whether they make £10,000, whether they make £100,000... That is their everything. It's what feeds their family. It's what will help them retire eventually. It's what keeps the wolf from the door. So it matters to them. And it matters that they have got somebody that they can trust to ask for that advice. Because being self-employed, you'll know, can be a lonely place sometimes. It's you and the wall making a decision. And um, just having somebody that they feel comfortable with and trust and have that face-to-face connection that you can pick up the phone and say, no, this is a silly question, but... And that's what I love, is the people behind the businesses. So there are occasions every single day, tiny most of the time, where you've just helped somebody understand or maybe think about something in a different way or with, with, you know, know, thinking of selling this property, what should we do? And you've just can say something very, very simple, which can save them a little bit of money or make the situation... Um, a little bit easier and it was that difference to real people that impacts them immediately that I was really keen to retain yeah brilliant I know you've got a lot at the moment so you've got January (laughs) then we've got the digital stuff but where do you see your business going say if I said in five years time so in five years time I definitely would like to see us being even more hands-on with clients in a more regular basis in a more regular routine than we are now trying to move away from the annual touch points we have with clients some clients will only ever want that and that is totally fine but there are others out there again you'll you'll know this that really could benefit from having that more regular contact with us and that's so rewarding so I would like to build a practice that we can embrace technology which allows us to have that time, coming back to that time word again, that time to work with people and find out what's going on and what can we help with and, um, you know, again, being able to make that difference more immediately than retrospectively, which is traditionally how we've had to work as accountants. Fabulous. And if there's somebody who said to you, I'm thinking about setting up my own business... What one piece of advice would you give to them? Rather than just find, just 
find yourself a great accountant, <laughs> what else? What else would you say to them? It is plan, 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 plan. There's a degree you have to just go with it. You have to go with the good feeling that you've got something that people are going to want to buy from you. But I don't believe in just uh, throwing caution to the wind, uh, leaving your job and just going with it without a plan. You need to know, have you got a market? Who is this going to be targeted for? You know, when you don't just get in your car and think I'll just start driving, you have an idea of where you're going to end yeah. up on that journey. And there might be some roadworks on the way, and you've got to take a diversion, and that's okay. But you do need to have an idea of where you're headed. You're going to potentially give up a stable income to go with this business. But I'm totally encouraging people to do that because that's what drives everything in this in this country in this economy mm-hmm. um, and it's so rewarding when that works but you need to be very clear on where it is you want to end up and how you're going to get there what you want to achieve and by when yeah. um, there's lots of support out there there's people like yourself people like us we work together we can help with that plan but I do tend to meet a few people along the way who have just gone for it without any forethought and they're the ones that inevitably end up failing and I won't quote the statistic but certainly a lot of businesses fail Mm -hmm. within the first year and then the first five years and that's generally because they really didn't have a plan when they set out Fabulous, thank you for that If people want to find out more about what you do where should they go? Well we've got um, our website which is sunnyandco.co.uk very welcome to give me a ring yeah. I'm always happy to chat to people um, or any member of the team at all. Thank you so much, Mary. It's an absolute pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you very much, Ros. Delegating is key to avoid looking like the Greek wedding Mary mentioned in our conversation. And I'd like to share some tips on the art of delegation. To begin with, why would you want to delegate anyway? Well, to give yourself more personal time, to give yourself the opportunity to do more and therefore achieve more, to be able to grow your business more effectively, to improve productivity and efficiency, both of yourself and your key people, to allow for the growth and development of your staff, and to teach your staff to accept more responsibility and become more valuable to you. Here's the key steps to delegation. Number one, before you delegate, you might want to use this test. The key is to ask, what is the worst that could happen and can I live with that? If you feel that you could live with the worst that could happen, then you delegate. Number two is what is the cost of not delegating? So compare the cost to you of your time per hour against the cost per hour of a team member or outsourcing the task. Then decide if the job should be delegated or not. Number three, here's the process of delegating to a staff member. Have a clearly defined set of policies in place that the staff member can refer to for guidance. And by the way, be prepared to stand behind the staff member's decisions based on those policies. Give them the skills and training need to do the task and give them the responsibility to take the action required. Give them authority to be able to take the action required and a time frame to complete the task. And give them a clear picture of what the outcome is that you want. And then give them feedback so they know if they're producing what you want. You want to keep control after you've delegated, of course. So there's two levels of delegation. One, you get the team member to look at all the options and make a decision and then report back to you for your sign-off before any actions are taken. 
Or if you're more confident, level two is where you get the team member to make the decision, looking at all the options, make a decision and then take the action and then report back the results of the action for you to review. That's the art of delegation. I hope that's been useful. Thanks for listening. This has been your Ross Jones Bold Business Bites show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with Bold Business Bites. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening.